Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's gambling podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta. And they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's make-believe casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and I am sitting across Mr. Mike Lombardi, back from New Jersey. Welcome back to the West Coast. Uh, it's good to be back. It was 30-some degrees back there. It was ridiculous. But Did anyway, you had a I toboggan got a t- on the whole time? Yeah, it was cold. Nice. I mean, yeah. it was cold. I had to get my I'm winter gear out. I had to get the hat on. I, you know, I looked like, you know, the beanie going, the, yeah. the Italian look going. I mean, it's, it's cold. You don't like it. Hey, I got to tell you, though, somebody sent this to me, and I think it fits perfectly based on your status. You've mm-hmm. been verified. You got a one-on-one <laughs> with Stefan Curry going. Uh, the, your nickname should be Golden Tate Frazier. I think that's right. I think that's probably should right. Should I be the Golden Tate the third, or should I just keep it Golden I, Tate Frazier? I would just like Golden Tate Frazier. I think it's kind of like it implies you've got a con- – now, I, do you know Golden Tate or the of original – Go- you, you know Not him personally. Not personally. Oh, no, well, no, no, but, no, but I mean, course. you know, like I think it fits you. Like you've got to come up with a name. Like it's got to be – you know, Madonna had Madonna – Prince had Prince. I mean, you know, like you, when you become this status, you got to have like I was like hoping a, for Lorenz Tate or like Donovan Tate or, you know, Tate did, Donovan or. Nah, well, I don't know. And maybe we, Golden Tate will work. I'll did, stick with that. That, yeah. that sounds better. It's better than the other one that they, they've been throwing out. What there. they've been throwing out. I, I heard, it on, I heard yeah. it on Bill's one. That's what made That's me think Sal of that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that one. Yeah, yeah. I love Sal, but I don't like that one. Yeah. Well, cousin, he was distracted. I mean, look, let's face it. He had Jimmy Kimmel's birthday party. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> a lot going on. A lot going on in his life. He can't, he can't, he's got the clapper to worry about. He's got Jimmy Kimmel to worry about. Ezekiel he's to got worry Zeke about. to worry about. Uh, he's writing jokes all the constantly. You know, he's got a tough commute. I mean, like it's it's hard. This time of year, it's hard to put it all together for Sal. It's a hard knock life, that's for sure. Um, and let's talk about the NFL and our favorite segment. If we're all thinking alike, no one is thinking. And we're going to talk. We're going to play a little game, and it's called Macadoo or Macadon't. Right. Can you explain what that means for the people? Well, like, look, here's the way it goes. Macadoos would be something that Macadoo would do. Yes. Okay, Macadoos don'ts <laughs> would be something Macadon't wouldn't do. Yeah. Since, we're, since we know this, Tate Frazier, yes. he's going to be with us for the next six weeks. Like, the, the John Mara came out. He keeps surviving. They said they're not going to make a coaching change. They had their mm-hmm. full support. They left the sentence unfilled. So since we might as well enjoy them while we have them, don't you think? Absolutely. I'm having a great time. I'm going to miss that haircut. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to miss the haircut. I'm going to miss the fact that he wouldn't wear the Patriot gear on the sideline. Like, what is what goes here, bro? Like, really? Come on. It's the Johnny Cash of football. So we're going to have the McAdoos and the McAdoons. The McAdoos would be, what would your team do if it had Belichick as its head coach? Mm-hmm. And the McAdoons are going to be, what jobs are going to be open and are they attractive? So we're going to kind of break it down. Well, let's talk about McAdoos teams first. Let's talk about okay. the New York Giants. So if we had a man like Bill Belichick. Running the team. Running the team. Running the New York Giants. He's in the Mecca. He's handling football. Uh, what's it look like for, well, for the I think, G-Man? I think the one thing that Belichick would have done if he's running the Giants, he would never have counted on Eric Flowers to be his left tackle. And he would have never drafted another receiver. And he definitely wouldn't have drafted, he wouldn't have signed Brandon Marshall. Like it would have been more about fixing the offensive lines. Like he'll never be tackle poor. 
Yes. Okay, so he would have made sure he had another tackle on the team, which would have helped fix the offensive line and then fix the offensive line. And I think he would have recognized that there's something wrong with Eli, that Eli's probably not going to have a long future. So it would have been, how are we going to get a quarterback in here to help the future? So if Belichick were the coach, would the record be better? No doubt about it. It would have been way different because they're good enough on defense to hang in there. We saw them win 11 games. Mm -hmm. But what I think fans don't always understand, the longer the coach stays at a place, they become the personality of the coach, okay? And unfortunately for you Giant fans, your team has his personality right now, which isn't good. And I, I, I when I was in Cleveland in 14, we went to Green Bay and we interviewed McAdoo for the head coaching job. Mm -hmm. And really a nice guy, but he didn't really have a presence that you're going to feel like this guy's going to come in and command the room. He had a notebook full of what they were going to do on practice on October the 12th. This is the big thing in, in, in coaching interviews. You have to plan out the whole year. This is like uh, Bob Lamont, the agent for McAdoo and the agent for mm -hmm. all these guys. This is his way of like to show people that we don't this even know. This guy has a plan. Basically. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But we don't even know who we're playing that week, but mm -hmm. we're going to show you how we're going to practice. <laughs> like it makes no sense at all to me. Like he came in with a notebook that looked like two New York phone directories. Like I, he had to have back pain coming out. He probably got a Might cortisone a lot of copy and paste in there probably. I probably would got say. a cortisone shot after he got done. But anyway, so when you meet him, that's it. So like your team's going to absorb that personality. Mm -hmm. And and the, the Giants clearly have. And they're not really a tough-minded team. They have too many guys that are not willing to do what he wants them to do. And you could find players all you want, but you got to get players to change. So if Belichick were running this team, it would have looked different in the offseason, and it would look different during the season. But Ben McAdoo has said that he has an open-door policy. So if anyone has any problems, they can go talk to him about it. I'm sure yeah, that, that's working out really well for Ben. Isn't it? Like, I don't understand that open-door policy. Like, where this isn't Dr. Phil. I don't Phil. think Belichick has an open-door policy. Like that, well, you can go see Belichick. Check, but you know, like, like <laughs> you might not, not want to. You're not Dr. <laughs> Phil. I mean, come on. I mean, we could go up to Paramount down the street here and go see Dr. Phil, see how he handled it. You know, don't do that. You yeah. know, like, come on, give me a break. Uh, open door policy. Anyway, so look, I think the Giants, I think the Giants off season and in season has been a disaster. It would require Belichick, the GM, to fix them to help Belichick, the coach. I do know one thing. Yes. I don't think Bill Belichick would have drafted Davis Webb in the third round no. if he knew that Eli Manning was going to play regardless. Yeah, I don't think he would. I think he would have drafted a quarterback. I think he would have been. I think this would have been a situation where you, you know, Al Davis has a great saying: the greatness of an organization is to recognize something before it happens. Mm -hmm. That's what the Giants failed to do. The Giants kept kidding themselves, and now they're in this mess. Now they're a Macadon. Yep, Anticip or they're a Macadoo. <laughs> Anticipation is key. Uh, next up, we have the Los Angeles Chargers, the artist formerly known as the San Diego Chargers. I, I what mean, does Bill Belichick do with that team? I mean, let, let's face it, win close games. Like mm -hmm. at some point, you got to have, like, They're I've cursed. never seen a guy celebrate winning the game. I don't know who, what safety it was that went Trey out of Boston. Bounds. Trey Boston. North Carolina zone. Celebrated the game, went out Been of bounds. Been doing that forever. Right? You know, and then they lost the game. I mean, look, how many close games have this team lost? So, you know, they would. And with a quarterback that they have and the defense that they have, there's no way this team should be. I, I think the Chargers could easily be one of the final four teams if they really had, if Parcells or Bell, one of those kind of coaches, Joe Gibb, some, one of those legendary coaches coaching their team, I think it would be dramatically different. So I call, I've always said the Chargers since Schottenheimer got fired, you know, he's won 14 games and gets fired. I've always said that he left some sort of cur curse there because all the Chargers fans, you know, they were upset. They were winning all these regular season games and they would, they would go in the playoffs and obviously lose to the Colts or the Patriots or, or the Steelers, whoever it was. And now it's like the opposite. They can't find a way to win regular season games, yeah. it feels like. 
And, you know, so then, therefore they can't get to the playoffs right. to have a chance. Because when they get to the playoffs, if they were a six seed, they're like an Eli Manning, New York Giants six seed when the defense is good. You know, right. they're a scary team. You don't want to see them You don't want to play them. I mean, you look at them on the schedule like, oh, my God, we got to play them. How are we going to win? But then, yeah. you know, you know, there's an old great, great Bob Knight story about that. your coach, Dale Brown at LSU. Yeah. When he's getting ready to go play at Dale Brown down there, he's like, I looked at the sideline and I saw all that talent on LSU's team. And then I saw Dale Brown and I knew everything was going to be okay. <laughs> You know, that's the same thing. I mean, you know, it's like you're sitting there saying, like, we're not really ready to beat anybody. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't come on Sunday. It has to happen through the season. I I think, to be honest with you, I think the Chargers are so underachieving. It's embarrassing. And I know they've lost a lot of close games. But at some point, the hardest thing to do in sports is to evaluate why you win and why you lose. And this is where the Chargers are going to have a tough time figuring it out. Because they're going to say it was unfortunate. We didn't do this. We should have done that. When instead of being honest with themselves and saying, we didn't, we lost the game because of this. this is an Al Davis pet peeve. Like he would get on the team playing and he would make you tell him why you thought you won or why you thought you lost. And t 90 times, nine times out of 10, all the assistant coaches are wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like they're all wrong. Like I remember we played New England in 2013 when I was at the Browns. Okay. We're up by 10 points with over two minutes to go in the game. Okay. And we're going to beat them. Yeah. We got to beat, right? Everybody in the owner's box is celebrating. Of course, <laughs> Millie, my wife's over there saying, no, no, we're it's not going to win. The, you got to like relax. So what happens? They lost Gronkowski in the third quarter, okay? And which meant they had no tight ends left. So they went to a four receiver set. We had bad corners, okay? We had to put Leon McFadden, who's not a good corner. It was a blown draft pick by us, okay? No doubt about it, all right? So we blew that, but he's- Great last name, though. McFadden, great last name. So he's got to play slot corner, mm -hmm. but he never practiced during the week playing slot corner, okay? Mm -hmm. He gives up a couple times. He gives up a play, gets pass interference, okay? Then they get the onside kick, and they beat us, okay? Imagine that they beat us. So we get on the plane- everybody's complaining that we had to play McFadden, which is true. But A, he never practiced at the corner, right? Yep. So he really had no idea what he was doing. B, we had no idea what the onside kick was going to be. Like we had no idea, right? So we, you know, but when you can't figure out why you lost, how are you ever going to get it better? And I think that's the Chargers problem. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Murphy's Law. It's like anything that could happen will you know happen in happen any Chargers game. Right. It's never over. I mean, if you change the channel and Trey Boston got the interception, you would have thought, Oh, the Chargers have won. The game is over. Right. The fact that that game went into overtime and they had a chance to lose that game speaks volumes to the fact that there, there's just, for whatever reason, it always happens. The Chargers right. tend to throw and, those and games I mean, away. They fired, they fired uh, what's his name? McCoy. Yeah, Mike, Mike McCoy. McCoy. They fired the Mike McCoy and they bring, and they have the same problem. Mm. So, like, if you have the same problem after you fire the guy, there's you, you haven't really identified the problem, right? Yes. So you got to fix the problem. I don't know where Anthony Lynn turns around and fixes the problem. I really don't. I, I feel bad because I don't think he can fix the problem, and I'm not sure anybody else can fix the problem. And saying, I, but I, I know one thing: Belichick could have fixed the problem. <laughs> I know that if they I had, him, I, if they had him, they're going to win the West. If they have him, they win the West, mm -hmm. and they probably are in the Final Four. I like it. You know, Phil Rivers would be pretty happy about that. Let's move up the West Coast. Let's go to Oakland. We got the R R Raiders and. Oh, uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, Simmons is killing Jack Del. I don't have to worry about killing Jack Del Rio. Simmons is killing him already. I mean, it's so good. 
I feel bad for him. I, I you know, he had a great year last year. Maybe they'll I mean, flip it around, but it's, I mean, it's not the thing good. about the Raiders are is they have they have no attention to detail. Like their defense didn't get any better this mm. offseason. They can't play zone. They can't play man. And people throw the ball on them, and then their offense really has does doesn't have any. Their offensive line hasn't played as well. They paid them really good. You know, I think if this weekend. If Belichick were playing them, if Belichick switched sides at halftime, probably that would help the Raiders out. Then the Raiders would win. You know, like Bill's going to go over and coach the Raiders for a little while, and Del Rio's going to coach the Patriots. Mm-hmm. That might change. But I think the Raiders, to me, are one of the most disappointing teams of the year in terms of because they have no real attention to detail. Yeah, it's a weird spot for them to be in, but it's a macadont, that's for sure. It's a macadont. Right? It's a macadont. I mean, they have, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It's a macadont. Before we get to it, not for nothing, let's talk about. Uh, just Monday Night Football last night. Obviously, we got John Gruden in the booth calling this game. Uh, the Panthers looked good last night. The Dolphins and Jay Cutler, not so great. Um, it ended up How being bad a are the Dolphins? Oh, I mean, they're so bad. We still have them another Monday night game. Can you imagine that? They're, I don't understand they're not it. done. They're not done. I've seen the Dolphins play more than teams they're I want to watch. Us. They're not done. They're not, you're not done seeing them. They're coming back. They're coming back at a theater near you soon. No, I mean, how does Gase survive? I mean, will he be? Will we be fine? We I don't know, know if Gase is a Macadoo. I I think he's more of a Macadon. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he's got like he's got some issues that he's got to fix in terms of his talent level of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they keep drafting. They have all these great receivers. They can't block anybody up front. The quarterback hasn't played. Even you know, I, the joke is if Tannehill was playing, we would be better. Stop, please, stop. You're not going to dominate. Anything. And then defensively, like, did they really look like they cared? I mean, Sue's just doing stupid stuff at this point. Yeah, like he don't care. Yeah. And they can't get rid of Sue. Sue, Sue owns them. I mean, that's the complete answer right there. They would know if Belichick were running the Dolphins, he would have never signed Sue. And it's one of those weird things, too, where Cam was having one of those nights where, and I love Cam to death, but he does this thing where, you know, he runs eight yards and gets a first down and he's chomping to everybody that he runs by. It's like a kid on the playground. He's right. like yelling back at people. So that inherently leads to people wanting to knock you out and wanting right, to hit right. you really hard. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't put it together. I mean, they had the one almost pick after he did that the first time uh, with their safety. But like, there's no fight in that Dolphins team. They seem pretty no, content to get. You know, they were just happy. Out. They were just happy. like a wrestling match that they just knew they were going to lose. Yeah, you know, not that wrestling's fixed. I don't want to imply that at all. <laughs> but it looked like they were like they were like they had no interest in playing in the game. And you know, if you're Gase, you got to make some changes on your staff. I mean, there's no doubt you lost your line coach. Your offensive line can't play very good. I mean, it's a real problem. But back to Monday Night Football. Yeah, let's talk Gruden about was really disinterested. Let's talk Didn't about you think the booth. He was? Yeah, it was really weird. It, it seemed as if he was just sort of talking in generalities and talking around things and doing the you know, the Gruden grinder. And then we obviously had the halftime. Who won the Gruden grinder? I went to the Clippers game. I can't. Yeah, I don't even remember. I were you at the Sixers game? No, no, I was on TV. I was I, I like, I there was no way I was going to fight the traffic to go down. I figured yeah. I'd just watch him on TV. And, Congrats. They yeah, look good. Look good last night. I mean, once it became, I think once it became 31 to 7, I said, okay, goodbye. I'm going to watch the Sixers play. Mm-hmm. Covington was really good, by the way. Anyway. 31 points. Anyway, uh, my point here is, is like Gruden like was really getting pissed off at Sean McDonough for like mentioning that the commercials he had. Did you, did you were you, were you listening to yes, this? Yes, of course. It was very odd. And like their interactions in general, have been a little. All right. I'm going to make a prediction. I, and I've said this, that Gruden's up for the Tampa job. Like mm-hmm. just listening to Gruden in the booth. And this is why we have him in the McAdoo McAdoons. Because Gruden's going to come back and coach. I mean, Gruden's done with television. You could just see by his energy level and his enthusiasm, it really wasn't there. It was all trying to make it up. It wasn't really genuine. Did you find it genuine? 
No, well, I mean, he just seems like he's going through the motions, as yeah. I was saying. I mean, it's just, we've heard the same things over and over again at this point, which is fine. But what happens now is, what if Gruden leaves? I want him to leave now. Like, I want him just to go ahead and get out of the booth, because I want Rex Ryan to get in there, where he's unprepared, untrained. Let Rex Ryan, and, the head yeah, coach, then. Yeah, just, McAdoo. No, then just gotta, shooting. Just shooting, so saying got, everything that pops Then you got a McAdoo, yeah. and then we've lost a McAdoo. Yes, you yeah. get a do for and a don't. don't. That's, that's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> It'd be good. Yin and yang. I think there's no, to me, there's no doubt. Now, people talk about, we'll talk about this later in the pod, that Tennessee job. I don't see him going back to college because no. Gruden would, there's no way Gruden could coach in college. It's they don't just, have the money to get him back to college. Well, they have money at Tennessee, but they could pay him a lot of money, but I don't think he has the patience yeah. to really go to out recruit. and recruit and yeah. go out in the home. He likes to coach, you know. Uh, I could see him at Tampa. I could see trying to get the Indianapolis job. I could see him trying to get the Giants. I could see him trying to get a job. There's no doubt. I think he's going to go take that Tampa job. I think he is too. Yeah. If it, if it just strikes him right, I think he will. Uh, let's get to our favorite segment, Not For Nothing. We're going to insult a little bit this week. And first up, Vance Joseph, the Denver Broncos head coach. First year, having a tough time with his defense. I think John Elway made a. I think John Elway has to really evaluate himself this offseason. I think he had probably one of the worst offseasons he could possibly have. And the first thing he did, the mistake he made was he replaced Kubiak, a guy who did a lot of things well with somebody who maybe did a couple things. The Art Modell theory of hiring is simply this. So when you worked for Art Modell at the Cleveland Browns, if you did 30 things really good and you did two things bad, Modell would fire you for the two things you did bad, right? Mm -hmm. And hire somebody who did those two things really good. But then he was, but that guy only did about 15. So even though he made a change, like he really didn't make an improvement when he made the change. It's There's, a net negative. It's a net negative. There's your Denver Broncos. They made a change that is a net negative. I mean, they're worse in every single area of their franchise. And I'm not saying he's going to pull the plug on Vance Joseph, but I've seen it before where when you know you're going in the wrong direction, you better stop. I mean, you you had a really good defensive scheme going with, with Wade. For some reason, Elway wants to be Al Davis. Elway wants to be the commander-in-chief, control the team, coach the team. I'm sure he'd like to suit up and play like Bill said the other day, <laughs> you know, like, like, and then run the team. And that just doesn't work in pro football. Yeah, they keep cutting to him in the box when he's up there by himself in the owner's box or, you know, and he just looks so dejected and upset and he's like pensive and he's trying to figure out what's going on. I, I can tell you what's going on. He, yeah. he basically can't, you can't run the team from the GM's chair. Like you, just because you're the president of the team, it doesn't work. It didn't work for Pioli. It didn't work for Al. Mm -hmm. Okay, like you can't convince the coaches. Al used to tell me all the time, uh, "I'll just tell those coaches, treat them like high school coaches." And what he meant by that was he meant that he wanted the coaches to think there was no other players coming in, no new players coming in, like mm -hmm. a high school coach. This is what you have. This is what you, you got to coach it right. Yep. Unlike Jason Garrett, who just blames everything on the player, the clapper. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll get to him later. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Tate. So anyway, so you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, he can't do that. Elway can't control the players on the field. And Joseph, to me, he looks lost. I mean, whenever, if you don't mind me asking, what are the two things that Vance Joseph does really that good? I don't take know. orders. That and, I don't know. That there it is to yeah. take orders and and basically follow his plan because it wasn't based on the merits of the Miami defense that he got the head coaching job. It was all about his potential as a head coach or potential as a coordinator because the Miami defense last year wasn't much better than what it is right now. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's pretty much the only reason that they're worse this year is because the offense is even worse. And, and I'm not blaming I'm not blaming Vance Joseph for this. I'm blaming John Elway for this. I mean, you don't have a quarterback. Your defense is getting older. You made a defensive change. The defense is now your problem. It was your strength. Like you got to sit down and say to yourself, where did this go wrong? Like, where is this all coming from? 
And you start looking at guys like Sylvester Williams that goes to Tennessee, guys that you could have paid to stay right. there to keep well, the defense Well, they changed their up. whole model. Yeah. When I wrote this in a ringer column in June, they changed their whole model. They used to have a middle class of players, right? Mm-hmm. So they would always do that. But for some reason, Elway changed. Look, the guy that, 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 that really is to blame for all this is Peyton Manning. Because mm-hmm. Peyton Manning gave him that little bit of success, won a Super Bowl, and now, and now we're ring chasing. Now we're now we're paying the top. Now Akeem Talib is coming in, and we're going to pay him money, and we're going to pay all these guys to come in and try to make a yeah, run, basically. Right, exactly. And now, but they're you know, the, I mean, you could never tell that secondary could cover anybody on Monday night. I mean, really, on Sunday night, you couldn't tell. I mean, they've given up forty-one and fifty-one the last two weeks. So you got to insult Vance Joseph a little bit. But I'm really the guy who are insulting is Elway. I know he's a legendary player. I get that. Okay, and I'm not sitting here as an ex-front office guy. Like I'm like saying the guy needs to really sit back and evaluate where he is and understand what he's trying to do because the the coach he picked isn't really the coach that'll work for him. And also realize that Wade Phillips... Let's give the man some credit. Come they, on. I mean, look, Wade did a it's tremendous a defensive job. defensive mastermind. He did a great job. And the players loved him. Yeah. The players loved him. I mean, and so when you made the change, like if, you, like if you're sitting there and you're, and you're Elway and you know you're making a change and, and Kubiak, who wants to come back and coach but doesn't want to be a coordinator, doesn't <laughs> want to be a head coach, you know that, that, that leaves the door open to find the best young offensive coach you could have had. Yep. Imagine if they would have hired Sean McVay there. How about Adam Gase? Yeah. <laughs> that might be a Macadon uh, or Macadoo, actually, Macadoo. I should say. Uh, next up, not for nothing, we got the Washington professional football team and Jay Gruden. Like, look, I, I, I went through, I watched that game again. I've never seen a team that looks like Gruden's approach this offseason, besides mm-hmm. losing weight, which I congratulate him for, was that he wanted to get his team healthy for the season. So yep. the first week of the season, so they really, they had a bad preseason. Nothing really was timed together. There's no attention to detail. And then they got through the first week of the season. Then they come out to Los Angeles. They start to play well. Then they have all these injuries, but they were trying to avoid the injuries, right? And then DJ Swearinger comes out this week and says, we have to practice a little harder on Friday. Really? DJ Swearinger's now going to tell the team? Like, to me, that was the most revealing comment that I heard all week. Like, how can you say that? Like, they are... I mean, I think Bill Callahan's one of the best line coaches in football. He's done a remarkable job with what they have offensively. But, I mean... Look, I was just in New Jersey. I'm sure Terrell Pryor's in West Cape May because he didn't even get any looks. He was dressed and never got an never got an attempt. Right? That's the rivalry between those two cousins and Pryor that no one's really figured out what's going on there. I don't know if it's cousins doesn't like him, doesn't like to throw him the football. I don't know if Pryor's attitude towards cousin is why he doesn't want to get him involved in the game. But there's something going on there that 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 can't. He's too good and too athletic and too big of a target. For him not to look at him at all. Yeah, like he, the way like he, he's not even out there. Like he ran by Marcus Peters on the first play of the Kansas City game. You're like, why can't they just throw it to him all the time down the field? Just throw a jump ball. And Doxon's a big receiver. Yeah. Like I, I watch Washington and I think Washington is way better than their record. And they should be better than their record. And I and really they're a McAdoo. Like if Belichick was coaching Washington, they could be really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would be re- I, I think Minuski has done a remarkable job with what he has on defense, and so has Jim Tomasula. So I'm not being critical of those guys. But to me, there's no detail. They have 10 fumbles. I mean, there's no attention to detail in their game. And they let third and one at the end of the half. They Look, here's where they're bad. They're bad at on two-minute offense, two-minute defense. They're bad in the red zone, and they fumble. What does that tell you? There are no details. Yeah. They don't finish out halves. They don't finish out games. They don't. I mean, yeah. they win a game on the West Coast and everybody's like, you know, what to me, that's the lore that says they're pretty good. And th- then they extend this contract this year. Like, really? They kind of remind me of the Chargers of the NFC. And they are. They are such a threat. Like, I would never want to play the Redskins. Uh, like but, but you don't think they're not going to be able to make the playoffs. You like, know? They're not going to make it. And New Orleans is probably sitting down there saying, but this is going to be a hard game for us, which it'll be. Yeah. You know? And this is the game that they go out and win. This is the game they go out. Weirdly enough, that's right. just what it's they weird. do. As long as they don't get in their own way. Yeah. 
But Swearinger, I think, is a little bit. Uh, the only thing I would say about the Swearinger thing is, hey, you you like Swearinger? I love Swearinger. I think what he's trying to say is that they're getting hit in the mouth early in these games, and they're having to fight back, which is what happened in that Vikings game. They got they get blown out earlier, then they had to fight their way back, and it's just too little, too late. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough attention to detail there, and so that's why I'm insulting him. Maybe they'll replace him with his brother. Oh man, that would be something. That'd be some family drama. <laughs> maybe great. Jay Gruden just go to the offensive coordinator. You know, yeah, maybe that's because Bruce Allen and and John are love. You know, they were they have a love affair going on. It'd be like the Shanahan sort of. You know, yeah, but now this like, time his brother's not. That could be son. an interesting conversation. Yeah, there you go. We just solved your problem. Uh, and then Andy Dalton's coming to so the Washington Redskins. Right. Get ready, Washington. Here comes Andy. All red himself. Big Red's coming. Oh man, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and talk about some college football teams and players to watch out for. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry, all the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves. It is a podcast by the hungry, for the hungry. And it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff. No, no. We're talking about diners. We're talking about fried chicken sandwiches, pizza slices, best Chinese food. Everything you, everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like David Chang, uh, Chris Bianco, Jimmy Kimmel, bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe Haas. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to Haas of Carbs, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Lombardi, let's talk about, uh, this is our lottery watch where we just talk about some things going on in college football. And it's not just players that we want to talk about. We're going to talk about some big jobs, some big time jobs that are opening up. And Butch Jones is now out officially at Tennessee. That's a job that's, you know, you got the recruits, you got the support. You obviously got the money, and uh, you got Adidas, so you can find you can find yeah, some players. I, I uh, mean, there everybody in thinks John Gruden's a candidate for that job, which I think to me that's a, that's an attractive job. I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's really a good job. It should be way better than it is. I mean, because one thing about schools, I think you, you know the one thing Tennessee they can't. There's not a lot of great players, but you're so close to Georgia, so close to South Carolina that you can go into some really fertile areas. Plus, when you have Peyton Manning's been your quarterback, like. You can be able to get any quarterback you want, right? If yes. you have Peyton Manning as your starting quarterback, right? You can just like you want to be a great quarterback, come to quarterback you. You want to be a great receiver. This used to be wide receiver university at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they've got too many, too much great talent. Like they should be able to get like a really tough-minded disciplinarian coach. And all these coaches, all these teams in the Southeast Conference think. They have to hire an offensive coach because, you know, they're, how they're going to beat Nick Saban. You know, to me, the way to beat Nick Saban is you got to build a program and out-program them. That's what I would be working on. But when you look at the Tennessee, I mean, first of all, they're in the East. So you're not playing Alabama until you get to well, – I mean, you play them sometimes, obviously, but not until you get to the title game and the SEC title game. Well, that matters. So you're basically competing against Florida and Georgia right. for the most part. And so those are your rec- recruiting rounds, and I think they're losing. They're finishing third in that battle pretty much as, right. as far as it goes on the for- Florida-Georgia line. Um, my question to you is when you look at the Tennessee job, do you think it needs to be a guy like a David Cutcliffe type who's obviously close to Peyton Manning? has run a program at Duke, but it's a kind of a too big of a job? Or is it like even you bring like an old guy, an old head that knows how to run a big program like that? Like we've even heard Mac Brown's name, our five-star guy. Oh my God, guy. yeah. I mean, how can they even, how could, I mean, Neuheisel said that Mac Brown should be up for the job. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, it's I so, don't understand. Like, like where would, could he come off saying that? Has he listened to Mac Brown do games? 
I don't think so. There's no way he has. I mean, I respect Mac Brown's career. He's won at North Carolina. He won at Texas. But, you know, you put him in a room with X's and O's against Nick Saban. I mean, like the only way Nick Saban's ever going to lose to LSU, just so I could, Mm. all the LSU people that listen to this podcast, the only way Nick is going to lose, if Nick decides at halftime to go coach LSU, that's the only (laughs) chance they're going to lose, okay? That's the only, he's going to outcoach Ed Arzron. Classic Macadon. Macadon, right. Exactly. (laughs) All right. It's the same thing. Like Mac. But to me, I think you could hire a coach that could build a program. Like the guy at Iowa State, Matt Campbell. There's mm-hmm. a guy built a hell of a program there. He comes in and recruits. It's it's really not just who we're recruiting. It's about player development. That's why people ask all the time, oh, the Patriots. The Patriots develop players. It's it's not how many five stars you get. It's how many players you develop to become good players. And I think you can do it at Tennessee. And then the other job that, that's going to open up, I think, is Nebraska. And I think Nebraska being – you're talking about in the, in the perfect situation – they're sitting out there in that uh, with Wisconsin. This is the only team they have to beat, right? They're in yep. that what's it called? West. I don't. I get it confused. Yeah, the, isn't it the champions and the? I don't yeah. know, but really the only team you got to beat out Thanks there is Jim Delaney. I don't know. The only team you got to beat out there is Wisconsin. I mean, yep. Nebraska should be a good job. The problem with Nebraska is you got to go somewhere else to get players. But the one thing about Nebraska is they pride themselves on developing players. When Boyd Epley was there, was their strength coach. That was their whole mantra. They walked on players. They developed players. I, I think those are two jobs that really should be better than what they are. And they're two classic places. Like when you look at the landscape of college football and who's impacted college football over the years, I mean, a Tennessee is a stalwart in that conversation. Right. Nebraska is a stalwart in that conversation. The history that, that both those programs have, it's like, the, but they don't get discussed that way anymore. You know, there's right. new age. Well, they're because not here's in what happens. They're what I call remember when programs. Yeah. Everybody wants to remember when they were good, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, you know what, we're going to reinvent ourselves and turn it over and we're going to come back different. Like the one thing when you hired Nick Saban in Alabama, nobody was comparing no, the Bears conversation stopped. Like yeah. he didn't have to listen to that. Like those conversations at Nebraska about the great. Great Tom Osborne and those conversations at Tennessee about Johnny Majors and they got to stop. Like we're going to start it all over. They built this program. We need to excel it, but we're not going to do it the way they did it. And I think that's going to be the change. Yeah. Uh, what if they get Derek Dooley to go to Nebraska with his notepad? <laughs> I've never seen a guy take more notes as a head coach on the sidelines than Derek Dooley. I swear to God, I like I thought he was a lawyer in a court case. <laughs> But he's learning from the best. He's learning from the casino host down in Dallas. I mean, that ought to be good. He's like clapper. Maybe next job he takes, he'll clap. I hope so. Question I have to. for you, Tim yes. Frazier. Do you think? Do you think? Uh, I thought it was gonna be about the Music City Bowl. No. In do you think the clapper creams those hands to make sure they're smooth when he claps yeah, together? He's got aloe. I, I think he should have like an ad for like you know how Gruden has all these mm-hmm. advertisements. I think the clapper should have like an ad for a like Venu a, or yeah, something like something like that. Like, that. like hey, Dove look, my men. hands are soft and I clap. It'd be perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he should actually put some of that. You know, the basketball players when they throw the smoke up before the yeah. game. Like he should do that just so it adds some more like some flair like to before the game. That'd be good. Yeah. Come on. How, how about Baker Mayfield? Where are you on him? I've gone back and forth. I mean, the whole Heisman race this year, honestly, has been devastating. Every single week, there's a new front runner. I, I mean, mean, everybody wants to Between JT Barrett, Baker Mayfield, Barkley, Josh Adams, I mean, Barkley. Saquon Barkley hasn't had a 100-yard rushing Darnold, game in seven you know, games. Pre-season. Darnold, got, don't say a bad word about Darnold. You're going to put you in jail. If you say a bad word about Darnold, <laughs> right, you are a, going I'm to jail. LA, I got to get out I of mean, here. you know, we got, we got too many. You, you know, only Jackson from USC, he's allowed to say it. <laughs> Do not say a bad word about If he throws an interception, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Not his fault. Keyshawn Johnson's going to come grab me and take me out if, exactly. I, if I say anything exactly. else. Exactly. I mean, 
is May- Mayfield's a front runner. I mean, right? I've been watching Mayfield. Like, I, I didn't really like his personality. I thought he kind of was a little abrasive, you know. And so we like that's the best way to kind of start. He's like, got Manziel syndrome a little bit. Where yeah, like, I know I'm good. I know I'm cool. Like, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But the more I watch him, the more I think he's more effective, and I think he throws it well. I don't, I'm, I don't know if he's going to be over six feet tall, but he's got a feel for the pocket. He can move his feet. I, I think the guy's a really good player. I think he's a really good player. I think he's not like you know. He's not going to be a guy that uh, – he's just a good college player. I think he's got a better arm. He's not Chase Daniels is my point here. Yes. And he's not Aaron Murray. I don't think so either. I, I heard him get compared to Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean and, – And I think that they meant that in the sense that he knows how – he can tell when the pocket is collapsing. He knows how to get out and make a play. He does, his size doesn't hinder him. You know, he can, he can see holes right. in, in the defense. But and, why do you think Drew Brees was so good? Drew Brees was so good because Drew Brees was the state – I think he was either first or second – the state tennis champion yes. in Texas. Hand-eye coordination. Great hand, but great feet. Yes. Okay, and what you need to be a quarterback like that is those kind of feet to move and slide. Because what you have to realize is your arm has to be attached to your feet. Like when you're just a running quarterback, like when you watch your boy Mitchell Trubisky, and I heard you guys talk about on the podcast the other day about how uncomfortable he is in the pocket, his feet aren't attached to his arm. Like Mm -hmm. he has no ability to be patient. So he starts moving his feet and his arm's not ready to throw the ball, right? So there's no rhythm to his game. It's hard to get out of it. Where I see Mayfield has that. That's the, the one thing I like when I watch Mayfield. He kind of has that. And it's the thing with Russell Wilson. Like the the oh, greatest his, thing about Russell Wilson is that his feet. He's always on the balls of his feet, right? And he always his weight is always shifting back and forth, so he can flip it either way he needs to to make a pass. His feet are always attached to him. Yeah, I, I like Baker Mayfield. I, I'm starting to. I mean, like I'm 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 not there yet, but I'm starting to like him. I'm not saying he should win the Heisman. I don't know who should win the Heisman. I don't know who should win the Heisman. I feel like some years with the Heisman, I think to make it more of a prestigious award. You just hold it out. Like, you're just like, there was no one that was good enough this year. Yeah. like We, we just don't need to give it to anyone. Yeah. Like, like there's I, no one that that took the extra step. I mean, yeah. even Lamar Jackson last year, I don't think he was, you know, I it think just Deshaun, put too much of a burden yeah. on him. Yeah. And then, and then the other guy's the Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, like, like, like let's just let it play out. I, and that's where I am with Mayfield. Like, I like that. Like, I like that. I like him as a player. I like Oklahoma's team. I like the Ohio State's team. I jinxed them. I'm sorry, Greg. But anyway. Poor Ohio State. Poor Ohio State. They'll be all right. Urban will be all right. Let's do our favorite segment, Word on the Street. The Word on the Streets. Comes out this week, Roger Goodell. Uh, his negoti- what, he's, what he's bringing to the table and his negotiations, he says he wants $50 million. You know, it was reported, like, what, three or four years ago, he's making $40 million and people got all up in arms about that. He says he wants a lifetime private jet, and he says he wants uh, lifetime health insurance. Right. Those are the three things that I Roger think you can have the lifetime health insurance. I think that's fair. I think when you're managing a billion dollar industry like he's managing, you certainly should get well compensated Absolutely. for it. I, I don't disagree with that. However, I think you should have more of a perspective and more of an understanding of your constituents. Like I would say, if I were the, if I were in the room, I would say, if I were the commissioner, I would say, I never want to make more than the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. My mm-hmm. salary is attached to the franchise, to the transitional number of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks from, I don't want to make more than them. I don't want to Drew Brees to come shake my hand knowing I make more than Drew Brees. Yes. But I don't want Tom Brady to know I make more. Like to me, that's the way, he's the most important player on the football team. They're the highest paid players. That's how I would handle that. And, and, and I think that, you know, this whole, like we can tell, you know, like one thing about Al Davis, when, you know, when Gruden was the head coach of the Raiders, he always was 
uh, every t- every job that opened up was his hometown. Like Ohio mm-hmm. State opened up. Uh, I, you know, I coached. His dad was a coach there, so that's mm-hmm. my hometown. Notre Dame was going to open up. Well, my dad coached. That's my hometown. You know, like so he was constantly trying to get Al to negotiate his contract for an extension and trying to do that, which leverage leverage. It really wasn't him. It's his agent, which I Bob Lamont, which he should do. That's his job. Right. Well, Al never bought it. Like Al would never buy that. Like you could never, ever like threaten Al. Like mm-hmm. there's no way you could have two semi-automatic machine guns pointed at his head. He wouldn't budge it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way. So he just let time like I used to say, there's Al was incapable of making a decision. He was incapable of trusting anybody. He was incapable of letting you do your job. You know, those three things he was incapable of, right? Mm-hmm. But he, the fact that I missed on and I learned a lot from him was the fact that his inability to make a decision was more attached to his willingness to let the landscape define itself. Right. So like, let's really see where we are in 12 months. And I think that's what the, the league should do with the commissioner. I think they should just wait a, wait a year to see where we are. Do we have a better collective bargaining agreement? Do we have better relationships? Have we handled this national anthem thing? Have the players understood this? Where are we with player discipline? Like there's too many things that he should still keep doing his job as opposed to just giving him 50 million in a private jet. And how tone deaf do you have to be to let that leak out? You know, that was pretty much the, my whole well, thing. I, I mean, I thought it was fascinating when you guys were talking about on the other podcast when Simmons was with the ESPN kind of just changed it and took it off the headline. Like, to me, that's like, and, and look, Mortensen is getting that from a, an owner. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, Chris is pretty wired. He knows what's going on. He's been around the league 100 years. He's, he's not get, he's not making that up from somebody. Yeah, that's, there's not a figure that he just threw out there for no, fun. No, because like they corrected it. Was, he wanted, four, the he wanted and, 49.5. Yes. Look, one thing is, I think there's one thing clear is there are no secrets. And that's where Al Davis used to hold up two fingers and said, if you tell one person, right, and they tell, that's 11 people really know. So, you know. <laughs> that's I, a good one. I, I like think that. it's true, you know. And so it's, it's the truth. <laughs> Everybody knows. So, like, to me, like, his compensation, and I don't know why it's not. Like, Tate Frazier, tell me why his compensation is an attack to a, isn't attached to a player. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It should be attached to a player. And then if he wants to uh, private plane, sure, he should fly on a private plane. Like, why should he fly on? Yeah, I mean, I, let me just tell you this. I think it's baller that he asked for a private plane and health insurance and all that stuff. I think that's great to bring he up a bargaining health table. Insurance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe maybe he could be smart and say, I want lifetime health insurance. And I want anyone that's ever made a Pro Bowl to also have that. That's going to incentivize players to want to play to a certain well, I level. I think they yeah. have that. I think there's so much. They do get that with their collective barn agreement. But to me, I think tone deaf is the right word. He's tone deaf of the world right now. Like, ask for that. But like, if he put it on, if he did it the other way, yeah. and if he said, I want to make as much as the top five quarterbacks in the league, how could you argue with him? Not at all. You can't. And then if you got a guy like Brady that takes less money, and then you know that the commissioner is also going to take that pay cut because he wants his best player's team to be great and also help the product. It's like, oh, you're making a sacrifice for us. You know, we're going to sacrifice for yeah. you. I mean, just... Like, I I, like, like, it's at common some, sense. Somebody. At some point, you got to pass the salt. Like, everybody needs to eat a little bit too here. You can't take it all. Yeah. And we have a feast. And we have a feast. Yes, yeah. we do. Stop giving us scraps. All right, guys. This all is, right. This has been another great edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back Saturday sit down. Saturday sit down. We're going to make some picks. Buffalo Bills. I don't think we're going to pick done them with anymore. Them. We're yeah. done with them. I don't know who we're on this week. I got to work on it this week, but uh, I don't know. I, mean, I might have my grandson come over and just point his finger at like, see if how I, see what he does, and I'll see how that compares. I don't know. I think the Eagles might blow out the Cowboys. I, I would say this. Without Sean Lee, the Clappers are in a lot of trouble. Mm. I don't know what the Clappers doing today, but here, let me just say this before we go. 
Clapper, Brandon Graham is better than Adrian Claiborne. I'm just going to tell you that right now. He's got five sacks going into this game. I think you just might want to be in a left-handed formation a lot. Just a hunch. Please, someone chip Brandon Graham. Chip Brandon Graham, put a tight end over there, do something. Let's see how it, see, this is, to me, this is the fascinating thing about the, the Cowboys, is they're a McAdoo, but they really could be a McAdoo. 